Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. This is our first remote edition of the Digiday Podcast. Like many of you, uh, we are displaced uh, from our offices. I'm doing this in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. I escaped the city. And I'm joined by Brian Weezer. Brian is the global president of business intelligence at Group M. Brian, welcome. Thanks for having me, Brian. So I can think of actually no one better to do our first uh, sort of Corona era podcast. I hope we will not be doing too many of them, but I do believe that this is going to move from being a topic to the environment. But I want to hear um, from you about um, what this means. The word that I hear repeatedly from everyone I talk to, and it's not a good word, is uncertainty. That is a very good word. Uncertainty seizes up economies, it seizes up companies, um, it seizes up individuals. That's what economies are. Um, give, give us a macro view of what we know and what we don't know right now. Sure. Well, I, I think that the, the uncertainties uh, exist in countries that are just going through it for how their countries will um, adapt and uh, what outcomes will be. That, that is uncertain. I think that you know when we look at what's happening in China, first of all, and as of this moment, uh, Friday, March 20, 941 Pacific time, critical because whatever we say now might change in a minute or an hour. It's got to last till Tuesday, Brian. Let's hope. Uh, China is seeing a path towards normalcy. They're in a triage of sorts or past triage, I guess. That doesn't mean it's positive necessarily, but at least there's a sense of normalcy starting to return. And so the other countries of the world have to consider, first of all, the scale of the spread. They have to consider the impact on uh, local economies initially, the government response, and then whether or not government responses might actually make things worse at a human level, at an economic level. And then we have to consider whether or not all the disruptions to supply chains um, that really start with China as sort of the world's factory um, have a knock-on effect. And these are all very uncertain things that, you know, as weeks progress, we'll have greater certainty. Um, I, I actually still maintain a sense of optimism by looking at uh, at China where, you know, you can see that they clearly messed up in the initial response, but figured out the right tactics and mm-hmm. they got to a place that's better. So in a period of uncertainty, um, and for the people operating businesses within this uncertainty, everyone looks for examples, right? They, they look back to the financial crisis. They look back to 9-11 and they, they try to extrapolate. Some look back to the Spanish, Spanish flu and, and the impact that that had. Um, how good of China is very different than the United States and from from a lot of Western economies. The, the it's an authoritarian regime. Yes, they screwed up at first, and then they sort of what they quarantine like hundred million people. It's the stuff we just simply are not going to do in these societies. So, how good of a um, of a case is that for how things will go? Say here. Italy, UK, et cetera, in Western um, economies. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll push back on that. I'll say that I think it is probably a, a good analogy. Um, okay. You know, we initially thought that um, preventing people from, you know, departing an area was going to be, um, well, uh, unique, let's say. And I think we're seeing Italy 
kind of going that path and, and seeing that the consequences of not enforcing it, right? They're not going to get over this if they don't. Um, mm-hmm. And the same is true in France. The same is true in Spain. And they're not too much further ahead of the UK and the US. So okay. I, I, it's not, uh, I think the tools might be different. So in other words, it's necessary to appeal to people and their, you know, their interests as human beings to adhere to certain policies such as mm-hmm. social distancing. But I, I do think that um, you know, it's a demonstration of what is necessary uh, to get through this over you know, a four-week or longer period of time. And by yeah. getting over it, I mean getting through a, a triage phase. Sure. So let, let's talk about ad spending. I mean, you, uh, we've talked many times over the years about um, your ad spending forecasts, um, or bellwethers f- sort of for the industry. Have you thrown them all out now? Well, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that um, you know positive expectations that one might have had in December are, are probably unlikely to play out exactly as we <laughs> anticipated. Um, the problem in in figuring out exactly what the numbers will look like depend on, on a lot of factors. I mean, I mentioned all these uh, other issues before with respect to um, you know anticipating the economic impact in any given country. Um, at the same time, I think there's another issue with respect to, um, you know, different kinds of businesses are going to be impacted differently. And I think that that can have uh, an impact too. So, for example, um, you know, in a policy response in a country that makes sure small businesses don't go out of business, that will have an impact that is different than, you know, a country maybe that supports their nationally oriented enterprises or their mm-hmm. large enterprises, you know, and so far that, that, that might be the path that we see between Europe versus yeah. um, the United States. Um, so there's so many moving parts still that, um, that, that, that really make it difficult or impossible to do anything with right now. So you can't sort of like reforecast. I mean, you don't know if the Olympics are going to happen. There, there's so many unknowns. You don't know the government bailout package and how that'll have an impact ultimately on the broader economy and and therefore on ad spending. Correct. It's just too soon to tell. Okay. When are we going to be able to tell? I, because I, I think everyone is groping for, it's one thing to sort of go through a really difficult period and there's always uncertainty and economic uh, dislocation. Yeah. And this is somewhat unique. Um, but when is there going to be more clarity, do you think? And, and what does that clarity look like? Or do we just have to accept the fact that uncertainty is the new norm? Well, I, I would say that China does provide uh, something of a lens through which we can look. And, and the timing uh, with which we've seen what's happened in China gives us a sense. And, and specifically, you know, we know that Alibaba and um, Baidu and Weibo uh, all reported uh, their fir- their fourth quarter earnings and provided guidance around the first quarter. The dates matter when they gave them because it reflects a, a point of view that would have been accurate at that point in time. And what they conveyed was essentially, you know, 20 to 30% decline in the relevant advertising-related line. Um, that was while they're in the middle of the downturn. Uh, they were really a couple weeks after the lockdown began. And um, you can do some math backing out of what that meant for that month and what that meant for um, what they were then assuming for the rest of the quarter, because you know January is mostly normal. Um, you can further assume that there's a pace of a normal resumption of growth, but this is where the uncertainty is for China. 
the question is how quickly does demand come back, right? Uh, how much will a potential slowdown of the global economy then impact China? Can China get its global capacity back up really fast so that while the rest of the world is going through a lockdown, maybe we don't miss anything because China's factories all come back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's some uncertainty on that. In that, But we, we can see what the scale of the decline is in a country that goes through a lockdown. And that part has some you're, you're saying during the lockdown, it's 20 to 30%? Well, that was during the quarter. And we know that January was a stable month. So Okay. Now so you, even more. Yeah. So if we go through, if China like had basically a month plus of complete, utter dislocation, and we go through three months of it, well, I think that's that's a that's a scale of difference that's pretty meaningful. Um, yeah, and I, I I think again, but but to your to your question about when will we have certainty or how will we have certainty, you know, we can look at um, there's three models that I can point to so far. You have a country like Japan, which responded pretty quickly, and probably took a hit. We'll see, but um, you know, a lot of things are continuing as normal. Um, mm-hmm. So probably not badly hit, and you have places like there in Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong. This is all assuming that we are able. Uh, we, I say, Western economies are able to. Um, you know, everyone's talking about flattening the curve, but all all of these economies in Asia were able to arrest the 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 virus's um, you know exponential growth. Let me clarify: it's too late for uh, the Japan scenario. Um, the, the, that sort of middle case is the China scenario. Um, and the worst case is what you're seeing in Italy. How much worse does, does it get? We'll see. It's, it, that is too soon to tell. And by the time someone's listening to this, who knows which direction it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the point is that we're seeing a worse outcome in Italy than we've seen in China. Spain may be going that direction too. It's sure. not clear... Uh, about other countries, whether you get that kind of an outcome, do you get a China outcome? I think in a place like, let's say, India, possible they could avoid those worse outcomes. Maybe parts of Latin America. There, there will be places which can manage this. But the, the, the point is that in the United States, you're right, we're, we're past that, um, that place where, where Japan uh, and South Korea sure. were. So let's talk about actual ad spending. Um, obviously, this has advertising is typically um, cut immediately when companies are, are in a period of uncertainty. I think that's pretty, pretty well known, despite people pointing to specific examples. I don't think those usually pass the sniff test with CFOs. They, they like to cut ad spending. This is happening, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we've certainly seen you know, categories uh, whose businesses have evaporated um, there is no retail. I mean, there's no physical retail. What do you do? I mean, well, like, I, I mean, I think that um, the, the retail still exists as e-commerce at minimum. And in, sure. And, and, and to be clear, if we're e-commerce talking about, is like what ten percent of retail. No, yeah, but in the United States, I mean, if we're talking about retail, it's not all closed yet. So it's not. I mean, now maybe we get there. But I think the a way to think about it is that yes, you you tend to see cuts at, right away where a business is impacted. You you tend to see cuts. Elsewhere, where companies are just trying to manage their budgets. Now, the flip side is we can be hopeful that many marketers will realize this is the best time to try to take share. 
and that you can see brands find ways to, while being sensitive in the near term, um, you know, messaging is, is critical and finding ways to be supportive of, you know, an economy at this point in time, supportive of a society, that it the it's not a given that every marketer necessarily just cuts. Which forms of media are best positioned? I mean, you would think... You would think TV and streaming would do extremely well. TV does have a problem in that, at least linear TV, in that it relies on live sports and there are basically no sports. Maybe billiards is still going on. I don't know. But like, how, like, how do you look at it sector-wise, like as far as you know, digital advertising versus different forms of media? Yeah. Well, d- different media will be impacted differently. Um, for, first of all, the... Uh, spending will be independent of media consumption, for for starters. Explain that. Well, in other words, the, whether if marketers don't have anything to advertise, it doesn't matter how much people are consuming. Yeah. So that's worth noting. Um, but that said, television probably does fare relatively better, uh, but if only because, or at least less bad, if only because budget commitments tend to be longer. Nationally oriented advertisers will tend to have. More resources um, to keep going. Digital faces a couple of you know challenge in that it's more heavily skewed towards small businesses. I mean, this is going to be true for the United States, but also other countries. Um, digital will face some uh, or, or will benefit from healthier e-commerce. Although even there again, we can look to China and we can see you know e-commerce kind of declined in February. Um, so it's not it's not totally immune. Um, outdoor. Almost certainly fares worse just because if, if advertisers don't think that anyone will see their ads and they're just unlikely to, you know, allocate resources that direction if they can avoid it. So I would guess that we'll see an even greater swing towards DR versus brand advertising, or is that that's not, not fair? That's not clear. I mean, again, I, I think that you go through this phase right now where First of all, every brand should be trying to figure out how they could be helpful. I mean, you point to what LVMH is doing, converting their factories from perfume into making hand sanitizer. GM willing to you know, shut down automotive production to make ventilators. Every brand should be looking for ways to do something like that. And if they want to talk about it and publicize it, and, and my God, they're going to benefit from it from a goodwill perspective, mm-hmm. from governments, from society, consumers, whether they're in the market or not. Um, I mean, I still remember, you know, Hyundai's uh, guarantee from 11 years ago during the global financial crisis. They say, you lose a job, Hyundai's got your back. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Right? We're still going to think about that for a long time. So I think yeah, I've that- heard I've heard that referred to several times in conversations. Do you want to talk a little bit for those who don't remember 11 years ago? I mean, there was this thing called the global financial crisis. <laughs> the market, the, the, I mean, the financial world came to an end for a period of time. And that meant that any, um, uh, it, when companies were going to become illiquid, activity just shut down. And uh, certainly a lot of jobs were lost, and uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And what Hyundai did at the time, and I think it was pretty unique. I mean, there were other brands that said, hey, we'll get through this and it's all good. But they actually did something. But they said, don't worry, if you, I believe if you either own or buy a Hyundai um, and you have a, a, an auto lease payment, you can't make it because you lost your job, don't worry. Like, we'll pa- put a pause on it. And and so that sort of thing, like helping take risk away or take fear away, 
um, yeah. I think goes so, so far. So every brand um, really should be thinking about ways that they can be helpful mm-hmm. in that sort of context. And, and, and I'm trying to answer then back to the brand versus performance. I think more brands are learning this lesson. And you may see brands holding up or not cutting their spend because of that. Especially, well, performance advertising won't work if people aren't buying stuff. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, I think there's a big messaging challenge, though, right? I mean, I, I, you talk about um, doing versus talking. Um, look, we're we're still very early into this, but I mean, from people I talk to, there's there's a lot of marketers are figuring out their messaging strategies, right? So like take the auto category, right? This is the time for auto to be out there talking about these incredibly low interest rates. It's a great time to buy a car once you can go out and buy a car. Um, But there's a messaging challenge. Do you really want to be like, hey, once in a lifetime opportunity? No, I, I, I don't think so. But I think you do f- try to find ways that, hey, you, we know you're going to come out and shop for cars. You're going to test drive when you can. We would like to have uh, uh, make sure you're well-educated about what your features can be in our car versus our cars. This is a great time to research. Um, and maybe you can find ways to do socially distancing appropriate ways to do test drives, meaning if you don't already uh, offer a concierge-based uh, testing service, because driving a car is pretty safe. I think, um, and maybe you could offer to sanitize before uh, every drive, and uh, at least if, if you've done that. So maybe there are tactics or approaches that um, you know that could work and help. But I, I, again, it might be that if, if consumers really shouldn't be going out to test drive, or they shouldn't be going out to you know get into um, into car dealerships, uh, then it, it it doesn't really make sense to encourage people to to buy uh, at, at this time if they can't physically do it. No, but it's a long consideration cycle, yeah. I think. I don't own a car, but I think it's a long consideration cycle from what I've read. And um, it would seem to be, there would be an easier argument, I would guess, that you need to be stoking this demand now because once we are all let out of our, our homes... Um, yeah, but gonna... the messaging matters, and that's where you go back to yeah. the, I mean, again, at a very tactical level, it's like, while being sensitive to what people are feeling and thinking, as you should always be, um, being mindful that, okay, from your home, you've got more time to actually research why this car is better than that car. And maybe that's your focus. Um, Otherwise, it's like, okay, here's what this auto brand is doing for society. So you'll feel good about the brand um, when when you are able to make a a choice in the future. Okay, final thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, is um, when you're looking at like models for this, and we talked about China, but when you look at, at economic dislocation, in, um, let's say in a U.S. context, do you think, and I know it's, it's all unknown, but are, are you end up going back to the financial crisis, or is it more akin to that double whammy of the dot-com meltdown plus 9-11? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, I think it's a, it is too soon to tell. And it really depends in part on the response uh, that we see from governments, both at the, and not just the federal government, but at, at certainly state and local levels. And, and that's really going to uh, impact it. Um, I, I think it's just too soon to tell. I mean, certainly a lot of the, the, um, there's a lot of reason to believe it could be uh, worse, but there's certainly hope that it could be better. Okay, Brian, this was a good optimistic take. I want to thank you for that. We needed it. Anytime. <laughs>
Okay, and thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with a new episode.